This is an ABC podcast. We played Iran a couple of nights ago on Thursday, a 2-0 victory for the Australians there. Um, I know, Moya, you have been heavily involved in you know, football throughout the, not just in Australia, but in the Asian region as well. When you see a team like Iran come to Australia to play an Olympic qualifier in front of a sold-out crowd against our Matildas, what were you thinking watching that on Thursday night? Well, I couldn't help but reflect upon the very different pathways that those players, 11 on one side and 11 on the other, uh, had taken to get into that stadium on that night. Uh, I mean, the in Iran, the, the players have not been allowed, the women have not been allowed into football stadiums to watch men's matches for 40 years. Uh, and so those players would never have been into a big stadium um, to watch a, a big game. I mean, the, the women's matches there are not played in big stadiums. So the experience of actually going into a big stadium that's full and feeling it w- would have been completely new to them and they wouldn't have done it until they were on the field. Um, they would never have had the chance to do it from the stands. And that stadium ban has been, well, much uh, written about, much talked about. Um, there have been some minor exceptions to it. Recently, they'll let in maybe a few hundred women for some of the big games, but generally they're family and friends of people. They're not uh, Tickets are not available for sale generally to women. And of course, if you're a woman and you show up to a stadium hoping to get in, you risk being arrested by the morality police in Iran and put into um, the notorious Evan prison, which is not a happy place. So, you know, there's been a long history of activism and suffering really from women who uh, have just wanted to go and watch football. And of course, the blue girl who set herself alight after being arrested for trying to be go into a stadium of rich as a man brought worldwide attention to it again. But uh, there's a long history of activists who have been uh, putting themselves at risk um, just in order to watch football. I mean, it, it's unimaginable really for us to think you can't go to a stadium to watch football, but that is their reality. So the players themselves, what, what support or lack thereof, what would the players be getting to actually you know, represent their country and, and play on this stage? Yeah, the Iranian team is really difficult. Um, it's a really difficult situation for them. I mean, there's no doubt that Iran is a um, a wonderfully obsessed football country. I mean, they love football. It's a population of 80 or 90 million. So let's say there's 40 or 45 million um, women, girls in Iran who love the game as much as the men. I mean, we, we know what a passion they have for football. Um, the women's game has not been overly well resourced, it's fair to say. Um, there is a real, I suppose, you know, it, it's a it's a, it's a a country in which women don't enjoy a lot of freedoms. Um, not only is there a compulsory hijab and punishment if you don't wear it and wear it correctly, but there are also limitations on women's travel, uh, not being able to go overseas without the permission of your husband, for example, if you're, if you're married. Um, in fact, one of their, their, their futsal captain, captain was not able to travel to an international tournament because her husband wouldn't let her a few years ago. So, you know, they, they are a very resilient team, um, as you would have seen the other day. I mean, I think what we saw on the field was really an expression of the two very different pathways into the stadium. Uh, and, you know, for, for the women in the Iranian team, there is always the threat of uh, being dropped if you speak against things or people at the wrong time or in the wrong way. So it's a it, it's a very difficult road for them. And I think, I mean, while the game itself probably wasn't the greatest game of football I've ever seen, I did appreciate the resilience 
and their just stick-withedness that they showed in a game where they didn't have a lot of tactical options, I thought. And that was emblematic of probably their whole, whole their whole lives in football and possibly off the field as well. Oh, it's, it's an amazing insight and gives us some, some great context around it, Moya. You're obviously a, a former player, a former Matilda, a former vice-captain of, of the Matildas, but you're also one of the first women ever to be part of you know, FIFA's subcommittee. Where did your sort of passion or interest for football, not just in Australia, but in other parts of the world and your, your I guess, activism really on this front sort of come from and your, your work behind the scenes? Yeah, well, I I found myself on the FIFA board um, back in 2013. And one of the first invitations I got was to go to Iran and speak at their conference um, on the topic of women's football. So I thought, oh, well, yeah, I guess. Why not? (laughs) That's what I'm here to do is to try and raise awareness. So I actually went to Iran in 2013 and uh, found myself, well, the president of FIFA at the time, Sepp Blatter, was there as well. And so there was a huge amount of attention on that. And I had activists get in touch with me uh, via social media, pointing out that women weren't allowed into stadiums. And, you know, I was from FIFA, so could I fix it while I was there? So uh, I found myself um, connecting with some of the activists who continue to be at risk and generally remain anonymous for that reason. Um, And, you know, you just can't help but feel for their, not only their lives in football being so held back and oppressed by not even being able to see top-level football live in a stadium, which, as we all know, is different to TV. Um, but, you know, their lives off the field were also very controlled as well. Uh, and it just doesn't sit right with me that, um, you know, at the time or, or there was also an issue with them playing wearing a headscarf that was banned under FIFA rules, which took two or three years to change, but they did change so that at least the team could play. Um, and now, of course, you see, you know, a fascinating social and civil movement, um, the woman life freedom movement that's arisen out of the death in custody of uh, Masa Amini about a year ago, which is, you know, looking to overthrow uh, an oppressive regime that's been in place for 40 years. So, you know, their whole journey is a fascinating one. There are many Iranian in the diaspora around the world um, who connect with them, who want to support them, but feel very ambivalent, I guess, because of the uh, not wanting to support the regime, but wanting to support the team and the players. And, um, you know, the stadium movement has become emblematic of the struggle for women to be accepted in civil life as full participants in society. And, you know, one of the activists said to me that, you know, they, they're hanging on to this stadium ban so firmly because if that folds they feel that you know all the other control mechanisms over the population will fold and a lot of men are in favor of lifting the stadium ban as well i mean there are occasions where um, stadiums full of men are chanting for the entry of women into those stadiums that that has happened in iran in recent years so you know it's a fascinating time Um, there are people who love football suffering under the restrictions that they um, are stuck with. And, um, you know, my hope is that the next time we see the Iranian women play in Australia, they'll be enjoying many more freedoms at home, including the freedom to go to a stadium. Moya, it's a fascinating insight. I could sit here and chat to you all day about it and the, the issues that are broadly on uh, on on what's happening, um, not just on the field, but in and around it as well. I really appreciate the, the perspective that uh, you provide and, uh, and having a chat with me today on, on Summer Grandstand across the country.
Thanks and enjoy the Matildas tonight. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.